I always feel awkward at pastor appreciation. I do. I, it's. I wonder if I'm being appreciated for what I do or what I don't do. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, um, when pastor appreciation comes, it's usually right around my birthday. I had a birthday on Friday. Turned 57 years old. I'm not sure many of you know my testimony, but over those years, I, I didn't think I'd make 57, actually. So this is kind of... It's kind of bonus material right here at this point, but um, oftentimes when you guys are you guys are always so kind and, and showing so much appreciation to us, you know we we think back, gosh, do I do enough that I really should deserve this? You know we were in the Min Summit this week uh, this weekend up at Paul's house and um, it was an amazing time. It was really good, but as we um, we're reflecting about the challenges in our in our daily life and trying to be vulnerable with one another. I had to share with the guys that, you know, there's lots of times that I spend a lot of time and energy doing the things of the church. But I forget to have a relationship with God. And you know, I get I get convicted by that. I'm, I'm so busy doing things, and oh yeah, God, I should probably talk to you. I should probably spend some time with you. And so, um, even as a pastor, that's a challenge. And I think it was a, I think it was a challenge for Solomon, to be quite frank. Um, if if you weren't here before, we've been we've been going through the books of Solomon this year, and we we did obviously Psalms. We did a lot of it was David. Solomon wrote a psalm. A couple of them. And then we, we dived into the Proverbs. And then after the Proverbs, we get to Ecclesiastes. And of course, this week you're going to be reading as a church the Song of Solomon. Which will be a lot of fun for a lot of you. I think it will be great. It's always good to, to dive into that. And so most scholars believe that Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon in his youth. Proverbs, during the middle of his age... And Ecclesiastes toward the end of his life. And so um, I'm pretty excited about getting into Ecclesiastes today. The conclusion, if you will, of Ecclesiastes. And I'll I'll tell you why. About eight years ago, we started doing the book of Ecclesiastes, Jeremy and I. We thought we were, oh, this is going to be great. We started it about now, middle of October. And we were going... Verse by verse, and we were trying to really get through it, and man, it was, it was a tough gig. If, if you've been reading Ecclesiastes in the last couple of weeks, you're like, huh, I'm, I'm feeling kind of melancholy, I guess is the word. <laughs> it's all meaningless. It's all a chasing of the wind. I mean, do, you guys, do you guys understand what I'm saying here? You guys are kind of looking straight forward. Is this on? Am I talking? Okay, very good. Um, and so, um, we, then we got, right, we got right close to Christmas, and we said, well, maybe we should do more of a Christmas theme, and we sort of stopped. We stopped right at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. 
And like, but the, the best part, we need to finish it. We need to finish it. Jeremy said, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Today is the culmination of eight years. I'm finally get to finish the book. And I'm so excited about it. So, I, I chose for our text today the second half of chapter 11 and all of chapter 12. And so, if you want to turn to that... Um, I've read Ecclesiastes, you know, probably a hundred times. But as I gain in years, I'm not going to say I'm old, but I'm, I can see it from here. Um, I'm understanding more and more of Solomon. You know, we have already talked and we've beat it to death about the fact that Solomon who was the wisest of all, God calls him, he's the wisest ever to live. But he was kind of a knucklehead king. And because he allowed his many wives to have his heart go away from God and he built high places for all of these other gods, the kingdom, his kingdom, was divided into two after his death. And so, I've always looked at this and said, why do we have these, the books of Solomon? If he, he didn't do, he didn't finish strong. He didn't do well. I mean, we don't have the writings of Ahaz or Manasseh or King Ahab. Why? Because they were kind of scoundrels. They, they set up all these altars when doing contrary to what the law said. And Solomon was the worst of them. But yet, here we are. And I think it's because in the end of his life, Solomon, as he's looking, as he's been experimenting and trying all these different things, because he was wise and because he tried to figure it out, he realized it's all vanity. It's all a chasing of the wind. Except for one thing. And he will say that today. So let's read the end of... um, because I, I think he, I think Solomon here in the in the end of verse in chapter eleven and in chapter twelve he covers all ages. So if you are in your teens, if you are in your seventies, this is relevant to everybody. This these verses I've I've chosen for you today from Solomon. So here we go, Ecclesiastes chapter seven. I'm chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. So he's talking to the youth here. While you're young... While you're young, live with joy. And I want to tell that to young people. You know what? 
your vitality, your strength, your vigor is awesome. I say live in it, enjoy it, because you won't always have it. You know, at 57, I, my mind is, I'm like, I'm about 28 in my mind, which is good, because for most of my adulthood, my, my wife has accused me of being 18. That's why I was a good high school teacher, because I never matured past that. But I'm about, I'm about 28 mentally, right? But I think I can try to do the things I did when I was 28. And my body is telling me, you cannot. I will not let you do those things. And I I feel sometimes more than 57. Like 77. But I'm not there yet. My casual keeps telling me, oh, you just wait. That's what he tells me. (laughs) You just wait, son. So... I'm telling you, he's, he's encouraging. And then he says something that's, that, I mean, would go well on a Hallmark movie, right? Trust your heart. Go with your heart. Let your heart give you the joy of the days of your youth. And for those of us as parents, go, no, 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 no. Don't, don't follow your heart. But he adds the caveat, you can follow your heart, but God's going to judge you. For what you do. So you know that there are responsibilities as a youth to follow your heart, but to do it with responsibility and knowing that God's going to judge you for what you do. So he's encouraging the youth to do that. And then he transitions in starting in chapter 12 to do something. Remember your creator, verse 1, in the days of your youth. Before the day of, days of troubles come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Let me stop right there. Remember your creator. All this time, all these chapters we've gone through, Ecclesiastes, Everything is meaningless. The trying after pleasure, the building up of great works, the acquiring of wealth, the doing all of these things, Solomon says, it's meaningless. You know why it's meaningless? Because if you gather all this stuff, you're going to die and it's going to go to someone else. All of these things that you're attempting for greatness and for posterity, hey, look at me, look at all I've accomplished. You know what? In a, in a few years, you're going to die. No one's going to know who you are. Jerry pointed this out last week. Do any of us know our great-great-grandfather? We might know a name, but we don't know them. We don't know what they did. Rick and Betty Follett, I was talking about the fact that I, I didn't know much about my dad's uh, heritage. or he, My dad didn't even know his dad. To be honest, he, he never did. His mother told him that he had died. When in fact, he had not died. He had been run out of town. And so, as an older man, he discovered, a distant relative said, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your dad's passing. He goes, my dad died in 1911. He goes, no, I didn't. He just died last week. That'll wreck you. 
and it messed with my dad. But the whole point of the fact is, a hundred years from now, no one's going to really remember us. And so that's meaningless. Everything is meaningless, except for the fact he's telling the youth, remember your creator. Why that's important is that God, if God is in the equation, if you have a creator, then things start having meaning. Because with a creator, that means that you have an opportunity to be with him. Because he's, he's, he's outside of time. He is out there. So if you can think of things with eternal perspective... You can have days where even though the, it's a crazy day, and it's a lot of terrible things going on, you know what? It's not going to be forever. Okay? So then we go to verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. He's talking about life. Morning. Noon. Afternoon. Evening, night. That that happens every day. Continuing on with the days of life. Right? And we oftentimes we we think of our lives in a cyclical pattern as well. You know, we're in youth, we're in the spring, getting a little bit older, the summer, fall, and the winter of your life is toward the end. Right? When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. Wait, I'm going to stop here. Remembering one's creator in time of his youth, which is the theme at the end of this previous chapter, is shown to be especially especially important in the view of the gradual loss of vitality as age, age takes its toll of the body and brain. Actually, old age and death are the supreme frustrations and the vanity that we experience. We naturally wonder what the aging process process would have been if we had not fallen, if we had not sinned. Would there have been aging process? Can we imagine what that would look like? Well, in Luke chapter 9, we have what's called the transfiguration. When Jesus was transformed with his body. Jesus Christ, being without sin, had the opportunity to receive a transformation to his ordinary ordinary body. And from passing from heaven without dying. And that's why his body became instantaneously transformed and he's sitting there chit-chatting with Moses and Elijah but Jesus didn't stay transformed remember Peter starts talking nonsense hey we should build temples here for that blob and God says just listen to my son that's my paraphrase but he said listen to him and they're like, oh, and looking down. And then they look back up, and it's just Jesus with them again. 
You know, if one of the things, and this is, of course, this is a rabbit trail, but I'm going there anyway. If you ever thought about the fact Jesus had transformed back to his holy, righteous body, but he went back because he knew he still had a job to do. And that was to die. To die for us. He didn't have to die, but he did. So that he could be the sacrifice because of those of us who had fallen. Who had sinned. That's an amazing thing. Verses 1 through 10 of 12... I think, in my humble estimation, ranks among one of the finest world's literature ever to be read. And so I will try to wax eloquent and be a good reader. Here we go. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say... I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows Grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along, And desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home. And mourners go about the streets. What Solomon is talking about is the body. The body that used to be so strong. That used to be so bigger. That you could do all kinds of things for as long as you wanted. Those, those days have ended. The house, the keepers of the house, the arms, the legs, they tremble. The strong men stoop because the knees and the back. The grinders cease because they are few. The teeth. Those looking through the windows grow dim. The eyes. When the doors to the streets are closed. Sound of grinding fades. People rise up at the sound of birds. Those who have a certain age know what it means to have trouble sleeping. Yet arise early. Because you can't sleep anymore. And people are afraid of heights or falling. 
when there's dangers in the streets, trying to get across the street, a busy road, whether it be ox and cart or today's cars, there's danger for slow-moving pedestrian. When the almond tree blossoms, here in North America, the almond trees blossom in the spring. In the promised land, it blossoms, has pink, but it has white on the top. So the gray hair, the white hair in the, at the top. And the grasshopper drags itself along because of the cold. And those back legs aren't working anymore. And, no, no, and desire no longer is stirred. Talking about the sexual desire. Then people go to their eternal homes. The reason why this is important is because we go to eternal home. If we just came here and we died here, yes, it would be meaningless. But if you go to your eternal home, it means you still haven't been there yet. Solomon is seeing that with God, there's still hope. And he reiterates, verse 6, Remember him before the silver cord is severed, and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Apart from God, everything is meaningless. So now the conclusion of the matter. I think Solomon himself stops to give himself a little plug. In verse 9. He says, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. What I'm telling you guys is true, is what he's telling you. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one Shepherd, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. The words of the wise are goads. They're supposed to be pushing you to the right direction. How many of you have parents been trying to push your, your kids, goading your kids in the right direction? Right? I mean... You did some crazy stuff when you were young, right? You did some stuff. Gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. And then you tell your kids, don't do that. And then they go, why? Why? Do... Because you try, you're trying to, you know, wisdom is learned through experience. You know this, right? I mean, we learn by our mistakes, right? The stove is hot. 
The stove is hot. Ow! The stove is hot. Don't touch that. You'll burn your hand. Because I did. And your kids, this? Really? For those of us that are wise, we're trying to impart the wisdom of the brokenness in our lives to try to change the outcome of what the next generation is to do. But what happens if they don't listen? It's all meaningless. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. I found out something this week. When rabbis read Ecclesiastes, and they read it once every year in the five scrolls, Ecclesiastes is one of those reads that's read. They never finish with verse 14 because the rabbis hate to finish with judgment. So what they'll do is they will read 13, then they'll read 14, and then they'll read 13 again. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for all this is the duty of all mankind. Isn't that interesting? They don't like judgment at the end. Listen, if you fear God and you keep his commandments, judgment... You shouldn't fear judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying here? To to the to the writer of of this book, to Solomon, you shouldn't fear judgment if you fear God and keep his commandments. If you don't fear God and you don't keep his commandments, you probably should fear judgment. So there's a lot of talk of judgment in the Bible. And that is a big sore spot with a lot of people. Well, why is God going to judge me? That's that's all a bunch of judgments. Yes, because he's going to make everything right. Because he's perfect. And he will judge perfectly. That's why the good news is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ... The judgment that you are headed toward has already been paid. It's been wiped free. Paul says it this way. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. I think Paul got... Solomon, I think he did. Because he writes in 2 Corinthians these verses. 
chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 16 and following. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we will have a building from God, a house not made with hands, Eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation or tent, which is from heaven. When I was young, and I heard about, gosh, when we die, we're going to get new bodies. For those who are in Jesus, we're going to get new bodies. And then, I kind of like the one I have. As I get older, <laughs> that new body sounds pretty stinking good. I was talking with Matt and Peter this week. Runners, they were going to run the, the Duke City Marathon today. Matt was going to run the full, Peter was going to run the halves, and they were talking about how fast the pace they were working on. Matt's like, well, for 26.2 miles, I think I'm going to do seven-minute mile pace. I'm like, wow, that's kind of impressive. And then Peter's like, well, to run the half, I'm, I'm, I'm working at 5.30 pace. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I can't even put, wrap my mind around that anymore. 12-minute miles are about about the most I can put, put around my mind around anymore. But it's all meaningless because they're going to get old too. So let's put our faith in God and follow His direction for eternal purposes, for eternal things. And while we're here on this earth, we can still do things, but Things that have eternal perspective are the ones that have meaning. I just like to. This is just me thinking here. That last verse: For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or bad. If God is going to hold into judgment everything, either good or bad, is it really meaningless? I think Solomon, at the end of his time, figured out all the things that was meaningless. But then, when he looked at God, he goes, "Yeah, but you're watching. Do we really, on a daily basis, think about the fact that our Creator in heaven and earth looks at us on a daily basis? He sees it all." Don't you want to be one of those guys that God sees and says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want. 
as a follower of Jesus Christ because we have been given so much. We need to be those that remember God, fear God, and keep His commandments. Because that's our duty. Because that's our job. That's why we are created. Won't you stand? From having read Ecclesiastes, I don't want you to feel melancholy. I don't want you to feel like, oh, it's all meaningless. Because we have a job. We have a destiny. God is calling us to honor Him. Honor Him with our lives. Obey. Knowing that when we falter, His compassion, His grace covers up. His love covers up where we mess up. Thank you, God, for that. Father God, you are a great God. I honor you today. Because of your greatness, because of your mercy, and because of you are God. Thank you, Lord. Father God, forgive us when we don't seek relationship with you. Help us, Lord, when we don't act like we should. I thank you, Lord, for your teaching experience in our lives. Allowing us to fail. Allowing us to stumble. But to learn from our mistakes. Help us to do that, Lord. And Lord, we seek you and ask you that you will go before us in our day-to-day lives. Help us to give your name a good name. And to tell others about you. Help us, Lord, in this endeavor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.